Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Today, I'm joined by Megan Crow, Elizabeth McNulty, and Erica Slater. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hi. Our topic today is onboarding new employees. We did an episode a few weeks back on onboarding new experts. And I've decided I like the word onboarding. So I thought I'd bring it back, bring it back (laughs) to you. This one's more of an internal discussion, trying to figure out the best way to get the best foot forward for a new employee. So I have made a few little notes here, and then we can talk about the best way you guys have found to do that. I start with asking myself candidly, what did I do wrong with the last one? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. Now, if you're lucky, the answer is, oh, nothing. You know, he or she moved out of the state with the spouse. For no reason related to their (laughs) job. related to me. Are we talking about specifically paralegals and assistants? Yes. I was kind of referencing support staff, secretaries, paralegals, that type of thing. I have had the same secretary for 16 years, bless her heart. But I have had a number of paralegals over the years. And I've had to ask myself, are my paralegals moving to different positions because of anything that I've done or haven't done? And that's a hard question to ask. But I do think that's the first thing. And part of that is hopefully getting a good exit interview from that former employee to find out. And I think some people are hesitant to really tell you why they're leaving because they just don't want to burn any bridges or whatever the thought may be. But I think it's a good step to start and say, you know, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? So once we've gone through that analysis a little bit, I think communication is the key. Setting expectations, setting out boundaries, being very clear about what the job duties are is the best way to go forward. And I know that takes time. It takes effort. And all I want is a well-functioning team. But if you don't spend the time initially educating and setting the tone for what that relationship's going to be, I think you're going to have problems. And the other important thing is making sure that your other team members mesh well with the new team members and not just making it about you and the new employee, but bringing in the whole team and having buy-in from the team members that are still with you. And I think that one way to accomplish this, and it's something that we might think we don't have the time for, but taking the time to interview candidates, bring your team in to interview those candidates, really will help prevent a lot of these problems once they start the job and you realize, oh, the person I hired actually doesn't know how to do any of this stuff I need them to do, or I wasn't clear about expectations I had, but you know, if I'd mentioned them in the interview, they would have told me that that wasn't going to work for them. So I think something I've seen even in my short time practicing as an attorney is sometimes if we did a better job in the interview process or got more involved in it ourselves, we would be able to sort those things out sooner because part of our job is reading people. So we should be able to interview people really well and be like, yeah, I think that person is really selling me on something that they can't actually do. And if you've 
find that in an interview, then you don't hire them and you don't have to get rid of them in six weeks when they don't know how to use a computer and right. can't <laughs> open a Microsoft Word document. So that I sounds think, not believable, but yeah. it seems like you speak from experience. I, unfortunately, I do. I do. I have experienced that. So I think that taking the time to actually interview potential candidates is something that you have to do if you want to have a successful team or you're just going to have a revolving door of people. You're so right. We have a wonderful office manager who does a good job weeding through resumes. And it's hard to find the time to do that because I'm the last person that actually wants to spend time to interview candidates for an open position. But I think you're entirely right. If you don't take the time to do that now or before the hire, it could very well backfire. And then you're back exactly where you started. I've only been here a short time also, but I had an experience when I first came. I had a different paralegal than I do now, and he could have been highly capable of completing all these tasks. He might have had a great resume, but the communication was really bad, and that's not something that you can really tell from a resume. You can only get a sense of a person's communication style from meeting with them and spending time with him. And, you know, if the communication styles don't mesh, then that's probably not going to be a great working relationship. Agreed. And Amy, you mentioned, you know, setting expectations and boundaries and all of that early on. I would even recommend that, you know, you have to revisit those periodically. And especially the experience recently with COVID and our whole teams working from home. Unfortunately, that has worked great for some people and not great for others. And that has been a real challenge to completely pivot and rediscuss boundaries, expectations. And that has led to some really hard conversations as well with the way that we manage our teams and also onboard new employees. See an episode from season two about hard conversations. These are just small little things that can make a difference. Once you've gone through the process, done your interview, made your selection, sit down with that new employee and just talk to them. I like to know a little bit about, because you know you can only ask so many questions in the interview process. I like to just sit and get to know the person a little bit, but I always wanna know when that person's birthday is. I wanna make note of their work anniversary. I think it's these small things that keep people feeling good about their job because we don't have easy jobs. Most people don't have easy jobs. It's just a small little thing that you can do to remember a birthday, to remember the work anniversary that make people feel a little bit better about things. Also, having regular meetings with the new employee, at least at the beginning, sit down and say, I want to meet once a week. I want to make sure your workload is doable for you. I don't know how fast you work or how slowly you work yet. I'll tell you what my expectations are and we can work from there. If they're doing written work for you, you've got to review it. You've got to review it. And if it's not to your liking or to your style, you can't just redo it yourself. You've got to sit down. And this goes to a lot of the like law clerks we have too. You've got to sit down and say, look, this is is not my style. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's just not my style. It's not what I'm used to. And here's what I'd like to see. I mean, there's very few people that'll push back from that because they're just trying to get to know what your style is. So setting regular check-ins, at least for the first few months, is really important. And I'm probably the worst at this, but don't outsource that. Don't say, hey, secretary, can you check in with paralegal or vice versa? 
because that's not really their job. I also reach out to the existing employee and I say, how's it going with you and the new employee? And what's your sense of how the new employee is doing? It's not a way to go behind her back or anything, but sometimes when the new employee comes into your office, it's all smiles and everything's great, everything's great. But, you know, he or she's next door neighbor, here's the new employee struggling in some way. And so you want to know those things and you want to get ahead of them. I do think it just really comes down to making sure there's an open line of communication. You've got to help that person learn his or her job so they can do it well for you. What do you think about having a formal training schedule or having employees shadow other employees? What have you found is the best way for at least in our practice, paralegals or assistants to learn their job and your style? I think it's hard in what we do because no one has the time to do that. No one has the time to sit down and walk someone else through how to do their job. But I also think that it's sometimes it's necessary. So you have to find people willing to take the time to show other people how to do their job. And especially when it comes to paralegals and other staff people, I don't know how they do their jobs. I can't tell them how to do their job. I have to rely on other staff members who are willing to help train my new person. And that's kind of when you need to be well-liked around here so people are willing to help your people because if they don't, then it's just going to cause a lot of problems in the end game. And I guess will lead to a lot of questions being asked all the time. In six months, they still don't know how to do their job and like no one is happy. But I think that you have to see if your HR person can set up a formal training with another paralegal who does things the way that your team does them. And I think that's kind of the best way to go about doing that. As I was coming into the firm, our paralegal was transitioning out and we hired a new paralegal and his tenure was not long. It wasn't really working for us. And then after he transitioned out, we got another new paralegal and she's been with us since then. And it's been working out great. And I think one of the main differences is when the first new paralegal got here, it was kind of just a, a dump of responsibilities. I think it was a little overwhelming. And that was one of the reasons I didn't work out. And then when the new paralegal transitioned in, there was a lot more I don't want to say hand-holding, but training and shadowing and learning concurrently with another paralegal that we had at this firm. And that training period, I think, was really valuable. And it was a couple-week transition until finally all of the cases were offloaded onto the current paralegal. And that system has worked out really well. And also, it's important to make sure that if you're setting up that shadowing for your new team member, that you're doing it with someone that you respect how they work. Because obviously, especially with assistants and paralegals, it's all about how you organize things, how you approach work, and making sure that communicating with the attorney that you're working for, that it makes sense for them. Without a doubt, all of us have different styles as far as how we organize things, the way we work, the way our minds work. <laughs> you know, if I personality types, see personality yes. types episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or, you know, if I'm going to go prepare for a deposition and I need to pull certain documents from a, a file, I kind of have a shadow in my head of where I assume all of that information is. 
And it might be completely different for another attorney. And as I've been onboarding a new paralegal over the last couple of weeks, I found that that really is the case. You know, the way I do things is pretty different from the way another team may organize their files. And in some cases... I found that I like the other way a little bit better. So I'm learning. So it's good to put that person with people who you like the way they organize things or, you know, you can trust that their training will work with the way you want to work. If you're bringing in someone who's been doing this for a while, maybe at a different place, but maybe the same kind of work, be open to a better way of doing things. Maybe they have a file organization system that works really well for them. They really like it and they want to implement for you and you like it too. So I think that kind of keeping an open mind when onboarding someone can really benefit you in the long run. I have to tell my story, y'all, about my assistant, Donna. She's the one that's been with me 16 years. So I was still a young lawyer (laughs) 16 years ago, I swear, and (laughs) had just had a bad experience with the secretary and didn't really have a lot of confidence. I mean, really didn't have a lot of confidence in if I'd even deserved a good secretary. You know, you're just trying to just do your work and so busy with the entire idea of working and parenting and everything that was going on. She was being interviewed by our then office manager. So strike one, I didn't even interview her. But office manager came into my office and said, you know, Amy, I really like her. I think it's a good fit. Would you mind just coming in for a second? And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, fine. So I go in. As I'm walking there, I thought of two questions that I just needed the answer to. Two questions. And I walk in. Donna's sitting there. And I said, you know, hi, how are you? Shake hands, whatever. And I said, okay, I've got two questions. I said, number one, can you keep up with me? Do you think you can keep up with me? And she was like, yes. I was like, okay, that's the right answer. And number two, I said, do you mind if I cuss? And she said, (laughs) bleep no. And it was a match made in heaven. So she's been with me ever since. But that was kind of distilled it down for me in that quick moment of trying to figure out the right thing to do. All I really want, and I imagine it's, all really anyone wants is, can you keep up with me and help me along the way? Can we work together to get all of this massive amount of work done? And will you be offended in my raw state? Will you be offended (laughs) when I'm cursing and upset because of, you know, insert whatever reason there would be to be upset that day? And can you forgive me for it? Those big areas were kind of distilled down in those two questions. And she answered them perfectly. And here we are. (laughs) Okay. So Elizabeth, based on Amy's two questions, do you have any advice for interview questions or how to talk to that person in the initial interview. I think that one thing that we've found is to set them up with a paralegal that is working really well at our firm and knows the kind of work that we do and what this position requires and kind of get that person to sit down with them, ask them some questions about because no one knows a paralegal's day-to-day jobs better than they do. So sitting down, asking them questions, seeing what they can do, what their abilities are. And I think that they might even do like some actual like real work kind of tasks to see what that person's capabilities are. And I think that we've had a lot of success doing that. 
But I also think that the number one rule to interviewing is don't oversell yourself and just be yourself because when you come to work, you're going to be yourself. And if you've acted like a completely different person or you've said that you can, you know, do all these things that you absolutely cannot do, that's not going to work out for you. And I don't really know why you would do that. Sure, you got the job, but you're not going to be able to keep the job. So. It's not going to stay hidden. No. You know, obviously be confident in your abilities, but don't oversell yourself. It's also hard when you're training a new employee to remember when we learn things. Whether you're training a paralegal or working with a law clerk, you have these assumptions in your mind that those things are going to be done, certain items that are adjacent to a task. And you might forget to reiterate those to someone that you're training or working with who is new. And as I'm onboarding someone, I feel like I'm kind of nitpicking or like, to micromanaging because I am training someone new. And, you know, I'm like, should I assume that they know that and not say anything? So I'm not like being right. a bother or should I say it? So I don't set them up to fail if that's not part of the task that they understood. So that's kind of a balance. I think you say it. Yeah. And I have been. I think you can approach that and you can say, look, I'm not trying to micromanage, but here's how I do it. I'm not sure how you do it. More is better in that situation, erring on the side of just educating and putting everything in front of them. And it's kind of teaching, too, because obviously we're in charge of the civil rules that we work under and our paralegals are producing things and serving things under those rules. And a really sharp person is going to go check that rule that applies to what they're doing. But you also give them give them a little bit of help. Be like, oh, that rule has this weird you know, thing where you need to do this. So don't forget that. Right. And then you'll know it going forward. And I think more often than not, they would be appreciative of that. I know for my new paralegal, for a couple different written work product things, she would do something. And I was almost nervous about offending her by basically correcting it to be the way I liked it. But once I did, she was like, oh, yeah, okay, totally. I'll save this as a template for next time. And she was really appreciative of my comments. So I was worried about offending or being micromanaging or nitpicking, even if it was just the way the indents were done. But I know she ended up being really appreciative of it, and it's never been done any differently since then. Yeah, I have the same self-consciousness because I'm so particular with things like formatting or how something's organized, even down to I changed a Bates label on a document today because I was thinking of what that Bates label would look like at trial. Oh. It included the word non-party in the Bates label. And I'm oh. like, but I might sue them later. <laughs> and that's going to be the same document I'm going to use if they become part of the case. I think that counts as micromanagement. I mean, we had subpoenaed <laughs> documents from a different medical provider. I got to see what they say first. <laughs> I think that's the right thing to do, though. That's very astute. But, I mean, it comes down to a really minute level. And so, I mean, maybe I should wear that badge. <laughs> you should wear it. I think that it kind of all goes back to interviewing that person, getting to know them, because it's so important, the chemistry that you have with whoever you're working with. And if you like them and if they're cool with your micromanaging style, then you guys are going to get along really well. But if it's someone that, you know, doesn't necessarily like your style and it doesn't mean that it's wrong or, you know, it does, it's not a character flaw. It's just the way you do work. And if they don't like that, then it's not going to be a good fit. So I think that getting to know that person before you hire them can help avoid problems in the future. And having patience for the first Growing period. True. How long would you define that growing period? Three months, I think. Six I, years. I think, <laughs> six years, I think. I think it's typical <laughs> for a field to have like a 90-day period of, what is it called? 
uh, probationary. probationary. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty good grace period of if it's not working after 90 days, it's probably not going to work. But I think it also depends on the problems that you were having. If said person cannot work a computer, nothing is going to be <laughs> solved in 90 days. It's just not. They're see, not going to learn how in 90 days. See beginning of discussion. Yeah. Which yes. kind of brings us to a little bit beyond onboarding, but recognizing when it ain't working. Yeah. As a younger lawyer, I waited way too long before I called it because I didn't have the confidence to believe that I was doing a good job teaching. What was I doing wrong? It took me to get a little bit mature in my practice to recognize that every day that went by was hurting my ability to do a good job for my clients and give somebody a chance if it's not working out, discuss it with that person about exactly what's not working out. Don't just freeze them out. And if it's still not working, then no one's going to be happy. No one's happy. The hardest thing to learn is that phrase, fire fast, hire slow. That is never how yeah. it ends up happening. And it is so hard to have that discipline to do that. And it always works better for you to follow that advice. But it is hard. Yeah. I mean, I learned that very early on in my career is my first year. And we obviously, as I've alluded to, we had hired someone who just wasn't working and it was putting a much heavier load on me and I just couldn't do it. I got to the point where I'm not doing this anymore. It can be me or it can be her, but someone's nice. going to have to decide that. Good for you. Maybe you don't have as much of a learning curve. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, who I've been there for a while. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I forgot. laughs> That's how it was with our interim paralegal. It was only about two weeks before we realized it wasn't working and there was no point in waiting longer than that. So I just want to reiterate that I've had a secretary for 16 years because I don't want our listeners to think that we keep people and it's like a revolving door. So. Right. Right. Don right. has been here 16 years. <laughs> and I think that it's became particularly very difficult to hire people during the pandemic. And that's when most of these things were happening. Yeah. Working remotely, onboarding remotely is incredibly hard. I do not want to discount that for people, but it just became really hard to hire people and, you know, kind of sort that out. I found it really helpful before I hired the last person who worked with me a couple of years ago to talk to our firm administrator and ask her about her observations about how I worked and get her advice about what type of worker would work well with my style. Based on the personalities of our 14 attorneys, you know, I can think of an attorney who rarely gives direction to his paralegal and they are kind of at this point a well-oiled machine and she understands the expectations and part of the expectations is that he doesn't want to have a lot of involvement with certain things that are routine right now on the other hand as i mentioned earlier I have learned about myself that I'm very much a taskmaster. I always want to get people to the point where I'm not micromanaging how they do something. I always want to say, like, I don't care how you get it done. Like, you know, this is the goal. But that goal still comes in the form of like a taskmaster type thing. Like, I need this done. I need this done. I need this done. Because the way my brain works and my psyche, I feel like it's on my shoulders to confirm that everything I expect to be done has been assigned. But obviously, not everybody works like that. So it's important to have an understanding of who you work well with in that regard and try to find that out as much as you can during the interview, like what type of personalities that person has worked with in the past and whether it's been successful or not. Me and the attorney that shares a paralegal, we're kind of in the middle because 
we like to be really hands-on in the beginning and then hope to train her to the point of certain things we don't need to touch. Right. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah, I agree. And it takes some patience, like you were saying, and getting there. And of course, allowing for that probationary period, if you will, for them. Have some grace. Yeah, for them to get up to speed. I also think uh, personality tests. I know a lot of other places do that before you hire someone. I think that that could be a good way to figure out, yeah, I probably would work well with this person or, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. I think that not everyone's fully up front in an interview, but I would think that they would be in some kind of personality test. So I think that that can kind of help you figure that out without having to just openly ask them if they think they can work well with whatever your style is. I've done that in the past when we hired a paralegal to work with me and I just found it kind of challenging. Like I didn't really understand the results that well and had a hard time translating them into whether that worked with my style. That just wasn't helpful to me, but I felt a better litmus test of someone's personality and whether they're going to get along with your team might be making sure that your team spends some time with them or someone that you get along with well or that you work with well spends time with that person in the interview and kind of gets a sense of that person. I tend to agree with that. I think personality tests, maybe in the beginning, you could maybe force it to say what you want to come across as. Whereas I think a better litmus test for whether you're going to get along with someone is just organically spending time with them. Yeah. One more note is that I think that's something that's so important in what we do is you really have to care about the kind of work that we do just because it can be a grueling job. And I think that that's something that you have to decide if that candidate really cares about the work they do or if they just see this as a job, because if they don't actually care, I think it can become challenging when you're asking them to work a lot of hours before trial or to sit through a two week trial with you working 100 hours a week. So I think that's something really important to kind of determine at the beginning. That's super true. One of the best things that I guess sold me, for lack of a better term, on my current paralegal is when she came into my office and expressed that this is what she really wants to be doing. Her role as a paralegal was a little step up from her previous job as a legal assistant. And being a paralegal is like what she really wants to do long term. And so hearing that she was highly motivated to really succeed in this position was a really great thing to hear. And so far, she's kept up. Yeah. And I think the real reward in what we do comes from when we win on behalf of our clients. And if you you know, don't care, just see this as a job, you won't form those relationships with the clients. And then you don't get to participate when we're all so happy because we've done a good job for them. Right. It's kind of shallow otherwise if you don't share that relationship with the clients and are interested in really building that rapport. Well, thank you all for joining us on another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I hope you learned something about onboarding and interviewing. I know that I did. If you have any questions or comments, drop us a line at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. Thank you all for joining us. See you next Wednesday. Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And if you love Heels in the Courtroom, Check out the other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. John Simon's The Jury Is Out podcast focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice and dive into the legal drama behind America's first medical malpractice case against opioid overprescription in Results Don't Lie. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.